ladies and gentlemen, welcome. That was a nation. We're back. See ya again. Very quick change. Very proud of you. Um, but we, I'm excited. We have a special, special draft tonight. We're going to Arnie's tournament. Some call it the API. Some call it the lemonade and iced tea. Whatever you want to call it. It's going to be a fun week. We got a full field. Forget about the JV tournaments. This is going to play like a major, which is going to make the draft all the more fun. And we have a very, very special guest joining us. So what happened was Spencer went on a little bit of a heater. Um, and he's won a few tournaments in a row. We don't have to talk about it. He's probably juicing. Forget about that. <laughs> but we had to bring in the ringer to take Spencer down. So we brought in none other than David Bierman. David, thanks for joining us tonight. How you doing? Ah, uh, good. No pressure at all. Setting me up like that to 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 try to end Spencer's ridiculous Cal Ripken s streak here. But I will do my best. As C and I have been competing every week in DFS and a little pool that I run, and I got the best of him week one. I think he finished dead last, and I. I scored some points, and he's since thrown it right down my throat the last couple of weeks. So happy to get revenge there and our uh, knockoff Spencer today. So I'll do my best. I'll do my a best. A lot of revenge happening on this show. A lot of people have have gripes that they want to air out. We're going to get to them. We're going to let them all come to fruition this week. But we'll give a quick recap of last week, of course, to nobody's surprise. We had another first-round leader, uh, Sia, who typically around this time of year is when he becomes red hot and basically hits every week sometimes two a week on the first-round leader. So that was very nicely done. I hit for another 20K on DraftKings per use, so nothing to see here. But we're going back at it again for a bigger week this week. See, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Listen, I hit Bramlett. I hit I hit Chris Kirk outright. It's two first-round leaders in a row. I had a couple near takedowns. I actually almost won the PME Open last week. I came in 10th place. I had another lineup that was, I think, inside the top 50 or top 100 so it's been a really good DFS run. I got to be honest, this show is helping quite a bit. So just to just so I know everything here, we got a guy who's got a couple of first round leaders and the winner, a guy who won 20K and a guy who's won six straight weeks. That, that's who I'm up against? That's who you're up against. Yeah, yeah. We'll go get another drink before we continue. <laughs> we also, well, you forgot the man. We have David Beerman from ESPN. So that's, you just get the, all the undercard is all you listen. Sure, sure, sure. Is this a betting, <laughs> comp- is this a betting competition? Because I got that hands down. We've been winning every single week. It's just, yeah. We'll see, we'll see how this works. I've never done a snake draft DFS pool. So it's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be fun. That's for sure. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. So, you know, I'm very excited to have David on tonight. When I started Better Golf Podcast with Nick Brettwish, uh, we had David on and he was very nice to come on when we had no followers at the time. And it was our second episode we'd ever done before. And then we had him on a second time too. So uh, thank you for joining us here tonight, David. That's uh, It's always an honor to have you on on any show I do. And I look forward to trying to make the six in a row tonight for the double three-peat here. And Spence, let me just clarify, are you wearing like a home jersey? Is that what the, like Orlando, it's a home, yeah, I love it, that's great. He should be wearing a Bulls jersey if he's going for the double three-peat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So good. There are uh, Magic fans out there, that's good to know, sorry, go on. Oh, no worries. One, one thing I, I do want to add, I just want to touch quickly on, on my win last week. So I did, I came in second in the Sunday showdown. The reason I wanted to touch on it quickly was because it was a little unique, and I wouldn't do what I did then this week. I won with, like, over $1,500 on the table. I didn't even use all my money. And the reason I want to highlight that is because 
part of the theme that we said on the show was because of the watered down field, right? There wasn't a big difference after the first, let's say, five to ten guys. And while the pricing was tiered and what have you, the actual talent level was to me nominal. So I didn't feel like I needed to jam, you know, especially the higher price guys who were in the lead into my lineups. I was so comfortable with just kind of letting that go in. And the first time in a long time I, I allowed my lineups to be built without, you know, using all my salary. And it actually came to fruition and and, and won. Um, but it's important to, to note the type of tournament that it was. This week, where it's a more loaded field, I'm not going to do that, right? I'm going to make sure I use all my salary because it's important. There is a bigger tier and there's a bigger difference between these guys than I could have done last week. Um, speaking of course and tournament, right? Let's break this tournament down. Bay Hill is a unique challenge for these guys this week. And Spence, what are you looking for in the course this week? Yeah, so we have Bay Hill, 7,466 yards, par 72, fast Bermuda greens. The last five winners of the tournament have been Scotty Scheffler at five under, Bryson DeChambeau, 11 under, Terrell Hatton, four under, Francesco Molinari, 12 under, and Rory McIlroy, 18 under. Those totals are all over the map for various reasons. Weather would be one of those answers and could heavily play into this week's outcome. That'll be better decided as we approach Thursday morning. You know, for anybody out there who listens to this show or anything else that I do, I always give this reply when we talk about outside components, but I'm not the biggest weather advocate since ownership will start to condense in all the same areas to account for those factors. I will say it does matter when we discuss courses with tons of water. That's something that we have here where players can be wiped out if the advantage becomes evident for the week, but a lot can change with the forecast from day to day, making it a little sketchier than... I think most would lead you to believe at this point, like there's going to be changes. I would keep an eye on the weather to kind of try to figure that out. And I don't want that comment to get lost in translation here since it clearly does matter, but I'd rather use it as a tiebreaker over anything else that dictates someone must be removed uh, since they received the perceived wrong side of the draw. I know I'm different there than most people in that viewpoint, but there are so many factors that could change the perceived advantage of that draw that we're talking about. Like, what if round one doesn't finish and players get a late start Friday? The PGA Tours had a habit lately of once the wind gets too far up there that they stop the event. What if they stop it because of that win for any duration of time? Like for me, it just comes down to we aren't sure how this is going to play on any level. So I always try to be more cautious and full fading or playing someone because of an outside factor there. I'll say that I 100% agree with Spence on that. Like I know people who will use the first late, early, after weather draws to 100% eliminate or 100% play people. And you just can't do that. Like, like Spencer said, they could stop it. They could, the, the people who had the advantage, the wind could shift. And I, I've been to too many events, especially overseas where the wind could shift five minutes from now. Now you can't ignore it. There, there is the possibility that those who have late Thursday, early Friday will have the better half of the draw. If the winds kick up Friday afternoon to late evening. But again, if Thursday doesn't get done on time and we haven't seen a Thursday get done on time in about six weeks, that might push everything back on Friday, and, and you, you never know. Uh, tiebreaker is a, is a very, very good way to look at it. And I'm not going to lie, I have penciled in right here on my sheet, which guys are early, late, late, early, but it's just you got you got to use everything when you're, when you're doing this. Yeah, he did say he did say pencil, not pen. And, and I think right. that's a, a fair point, mostly because it's a Tuesday, too. So these things might crystallize a little bit more on a Wednesday. But, you know, we're pretty early in the game here. So I think at this point, we, we got to lean where Spencer and David are leaning. Joel, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no worries. The one thing I'll add to that also is everyone's talking about the weather this week everywhere, right? Everywhere you look, every website, on Twitter, 
So the ownership is going to dictate that. So all those guys playing in what we perceive to be the preferable wave are going to carry ownership. So if you're playing these big tournaments, a great way to get different is to go the other way. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden you have leverage on the field. Um, all right. But we have a draft to get to tonight. For those of you who might be new, I will give you a quick recap of how the draft works and what we'll be looking for for today. Um, I'm going to bring the draft board up. I don't know if Spencer is messing with us or <laughs> if that is intentional, but it looks like Spencer's team. Here, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll give everyone the preview of what I'm looking at. Um, I, we, to nobody's surprise, we know where, where Spencer will be looking uh, and the draft this week. Jason Day, of course, and <laughs> Matt <Kucha. laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys recap what happened with Kuchar Gate last week. But before we do that, just to give everyone a rundown on how this works, we're doing a snake draft like your fantasy football draft. Spencer's going to go first, then we'll go in snake order. When I go, I'll have two in a row, and then we'll go back. The caveat here is you have to stay within your draft king salary. So you can't just take all the best golfers. You have to draft a team knowing that you'll be able to complete a lineup within a salary. So keep that in mind with each pick as you go along so, yeah, what do you have to say about Matt Kuchargate? Yeah, Matt Kuchargate, which I think is taking over Decagate. I think we have a, a new number one show in town. And listen, I, I was just – listen, I liked Matt Kuchar last week. It didn't work out. Adam Svensson was the better player, although his round four was pretty terrible. With that said, the, the rules are the rules. And, and Matt Kuchar got a, a perceived second nomination, but it was really Adam Svensson. So with my legal background, practicing law for 13 years, I couldn't let that go unnoticed. I had to point it out. And if anybody was mad at me for that, well, bad news, because we're on the same side this week. So we got to team up. We got to just get rid of this awkwardness, get rid of Kuchar gate and start a new gate. Let's let's make sure Joel is public enemy number one. Or frankly, it's got to be Spencer, right? Let's find a reason to get Spencer in a new gate this week. I know you guys can do it. Tonight, we all turn on Spencer. This is the <laughs> night where we, everyone gangs up. We take down Spencer. That's the biggest winner of the week. While all that being said, Spencer, you're on the clock. All right. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways that we can play it this weekend. That's going in any tier that we want to start at. Like, I mean, if we want to start at the top, we can start there. There's a lot of different ways. I'm going to go with the player that I think has obviously the best upside from what we've seen. I think he also has the best floor here. It's not going to come as a shock. I'm going to take John Rahm at 11,500. And I'm going to try to figure out how to build the lineup out around him. I think this is a stacked field from top to bottom. It does get a little dodgy in certain parts in that $6,000 range. And I'm probably going to have to get down there to build this lineup the way that I want it to. But there's a couple players that I like to open up salary if it comes to that. And, you know, I think we've reached a point right now to where Rom is almost unfatable when it comes to DFS. And I know we got like this price increase right now to 11,500 to where he's $900 more than Rory. You know, I mean, he's, you know, thousands of dollars more if we're talking about the Homas, the Thomases, all those guys. But I just think Rom has too big of a ceiling and a built-in floor at this point to ignore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to get away from Rom. I think the only way to get away from Rom, or, or the only way to justify it is it does make it harder to make lineups with a guy yes. with this type of field with a guy at 11,500. So, David, before we get to your pick, I want to kick it to you just on the John Rom thing in terms of building your lineup. Is it 
Do you see him finding his way into your lineups or are you just going to save some money and go down to somebody below him? I've typically avoided the top guy just for the same thing that Spencer was saying. It's so hard to find those $6,000 players that you think and you might and hope and pray they're going to make the cut. Uh, it, it, it's not saying it's the wrong move. I'm glad Spencer did. And I didn't have to make the decision because mm-hmm. if Spencer had gone somewhere else, I was going to have to take Rom because you can't not take him. And I don't yeah. blame Spencer for taking Rom. It just, there's a $900 difference between Rom and Rory and $600 difference with Scheffler and having, I mean, you, you're going to have to have one of those three guys, especially in this draft. Um, I currently don't have Rom in any of the lineups I've put together, but I also know the two times he won over the last month, I didn't have Rom and it cost me. So yeah. um, I don't blame the people for taking Rom or taking Scheffler. The week Scheffler won, I didn't have him in my lineup and everybody else did. Uh, so if you can build around him, I mean, talking about the best player in the world right now, so it's hard to say no to that. Uh, it's just a, it's a steep price to pay and it basically – erases any wiggle room you would have had before and we're talking about a guy who's won five straight weeks in Spencer so I mean he'll he'll find it if he can well let me ask you this because you did just mention Scotty Scheffler's name and it is your pick is that where you're headed or are you going another direction no I'm I'm actually going to skip Scheffler it'll probably bite me in the butt when he wins again since he did win this event last year but this is Rory's event I mean Rory's won it just like Scheffler has five straight top 13 finishes Uh, the only time he hasn't been the top 10 in the last five years was last year faded to T13 after having the first round leader. Uh, all the metrics point to Rory. And if you look at what Rory's done so far in the States the last couple of weeks, he struggled. But by struggling, here's a guy who's finished in the top 30 anyway. And if you watched in the last couple of tournaments, it, it's been the putter. And if, if you're going to win the Arnold Palmer, putting is the weakness you can get away with. Guys have won this event with a shaky putter as long as they're driving it straight and driving it far and hitting the greens. And Rory has been doing that. His shots gained on approach and Tita Green are still up in the top 10, despite the fact that he hasn't had a top 10 on the PGA Tour since this year has started, the calendar year that is. So I'm going to go with Rory. Here's a guy who knows how to play the for the Arnie. And we, we talk about guys like Rory and Tiger, who are historians of the game, who knows how much it means to win an event that Arnie hosted or that Jack hosted and how much it meant when Tiger hosts an event. Rory one day is going to host an event. And we saw what Tiger did to this course over time. I'm going to save the $900 that Spence Spence had, even though he has the better golfer and hope that the Rory magic shows up this week. I I think it's really interesting because you could make an argument that $900 is too big of uh, a range between those two golfers. And like, when we look at my model specifically, Rory's number one in weighted tee to green, he's number one in weighted scoring. He's number one on these long, difficult golf courses. I considered going the Rory route. I mean, the reason why I didn't, is because I do think we're going to get a discount in ownership if we're looking at like the grand scheme of things on DraftKings. And I'm not saying it's going to be a ton. Like right now, I only have it about three and a half, four percent on it. And if you're telling me that I can get who I perceive to be the best player in the world at three and a half or four percent less than what we're getting with Rory, kind of fine with that route. But I think Rory's certainly a very intriguing second choice there. And uh, there's a lot of upside metrics with him that would make you believe that he might even be the most likely person to win this based off of those numbers that I just read off. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's, the, the whole Rory, I, I can't wait to see how this plays out between Rory, Scotty and Rom in terms of where these guys place, because it is a pretty big discount uh, from the 10, six to the 11, five. I got to say the audience of course is already prepared. And the audience knows that once David makes his pick, we can start our nomination process and same goes for Joel and Joel in a second, Joel's going to have to make back-to-back picks. As soon as he makes that second pick, we can start nominating golfers. And I participated in the nomination process this time. I like Ricky Fowler quite a bit. 
So does a lot of the audience. So our first pick is going to be Ricky Fowler. I just think 7,700 on the trajectory that he is on and with the experience he has on this course, I think he's just such a great pick. I love the ball striking. And frankly, the last two times here, he hasn't been very good, but he hasn't been very good because of the putter. Here, specifically at Bay Hill in 2022 and 2021, he was terrible with the putter, but he was really good with the ball striking, which is really telling because he wasn't very good the last couple of years. But here, he was very good with the ball striking. As far as the putter is concerned with respect to recent form, measured events, six out of eight, he's gained with the putter. We can really go seven out of nine because at the Zozo, it wasn't a measured event. He finished T2 there. So Ricky Fowler's putter has completely turned around. His ball striking has completely turned around. And his ball striking here has been very, very good. So give me Ricky Fowler all day at 7,700. Joel, you got back-to-back picks. I do. Making things tough for me here. Uh, but all right, I'm locked in. I think one of the best values on the board uh, got to me. The top-tier guy that, that they brought his price down a little bit. I'm going to take Xander. Um, and, and the reason Alexander, I think after you've taken, you know, Rory and Rom, obviously I could have gone Shuffler or something like that, but I think Xander's right up there with, with, you know, that top tier, maybe that one B tier, but I think you're getting a pretty significant discount in price by getting him here at 9,200, which should allow me to be, have some flexibility with my lineups and, and what I'm going to do with the rest of it moving forward. And I'm going to go ahead and pair him with, my favorite value play of the week, who is Tommy Fleetwood at 7,500. Um, I, I can get a guy really going down who I think definitely has top 10 upside in this tournament. Um, and at 7,500, now I've, I've got plenty of money left where I can go up and still get a couple more studs from my lineup throughout the rest of this draft. David, let me ask you, um, Tommy Fleetwood, Xander Shoffley, have they made it into any of your lineups so far? Uh, I'm a big fan of Xander every week, every time. And I think you're getting a humongous discount, just like Joel said on that. He has made it into a couple lineups and I'm a little, little worried about Fleetwood. Every time I'm Fleetwood bitten, you can call it Fleetwood gate, Fleetwood bitten, whatever. Every <laughs> time I take Tommy Fleetwood, he doesn't do well. So I'm not saying he's not going to do well. He's not in my lineup currently. So he probably will. Uh, but the price is right. I mean, I can't, can't argue with Joel for taking both those guys at a discount. If he was looking for value, he definitely got value in both those plays. I just, I don't know. Me and Fleetwood don't get along sometimes in DFS. It just is what, you know, there's, there's always that couple of guys that always snake bite you. Well, mm-hmm. that's Tommy Fleetwood for me. Fair enough. And it looks like the audience has already decided on Max Homa for us. I really like Max Homa. I actually have him in the first cut one and done, which I think is a almost a contrarian play because I think people are going to go with one of the three guys up top with, with the purse that we have here uh, from a DFS standpoint. And, and Spencer, I want to get your thoughts on Max Home in a second, but I just like where he sits at 9,700 because I think most people, and I'm looking at ownership right now, or at least projected ownership, which is going to be finalized by uh, Sicily Kid, Stephen Pilardi, tomorrow at windailysports.com. But I, I think he's going to get squeezed a little bit here because you're either going to want to take a top three guy, well, most people are going to want to take a top three guy, and they're not going to want to, want to pair that with a 9,700 guy because if you take, even if you take Rory, and you take Max Homa, I mean, it leaves you with so little left. What you're probably going to do if you take Rory, if you're going to speculate in the 9K range, you're probably going to go to the lower 9K range. So I think Max Homa ends up being in that 15% or less range once this is all said and done. And he has tremendous win equity. I mean, the last three of the last four tournaments, he's finished first, second, or third. I mean, that's just ridiculous. The other tournament, he made the cut and had a middling result. I just, I love Max Homa's game right now. I love his ability to close uh it's it's i love this start max home and ricky fowler spencer what are your thoughts on max homer 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say anything bad about Max Homa for all the reasons that you just mentioned. I, I think if I'm directly comparing him to some of the $9,000 golfers, and I'll leave them nameless right now to not influence the draft in any way with it, but there's probably three or four guys in that $9,000 range that I would rather have than Homa. But I mean, with that being said, he's sixth in my model from an overall rank sense. Like it's, it's hard to find much to dislike about him for all those reasons. And Joel, real quick, Max Homa, yes or no? Because Spencer's right. There's a ton of great talent in the 9K range, and they're cheaper. So Max Homa, yes or no? I'm going to say yes. All right. David, it's your pick. Before you go, so for every guest we have on here, we, uh, we like to ask some questions. Just find sure. out about David Bierman, the person. <laughs> so just sporadically, I'm just going to fire some questions at you, usually around the time that it's your pick. Sure. Movie you've seen way too many times. Uh, back to the future trilogy, all three of them. I've seen them way too many times to recite them by memory. Pretty sad. That's, seen them way no, too many times. It's not sad. Uh, <laughs> we've done, we've done the reciting of movies on this very show and it's, it's kind of awesome, but it's I, a, that is, that is an it, excellent trilogy. It, it's, it's the movies that when you see it's on TV, no matter what the hell you're doing, you, you have, you keep it on, even if you're working or babysitting your kids or Whatever you're doing, you leave it on and you watch it and you you predict what's going to happen and you know what's going to happen. And mm -hmm. me being in sports betting, obviously, the second one with the sports almanac is a little close to heart. We all wish we had that. But, you know, <laughs> I think that was my plan. I wish I was old enough to put it in place back then. So uh, that's that's great. OK, so I have to ask you one more thing before you pick and, sure. and we'll try to make this really quick because back nine bets in here, otherwise known as Model Maniac, otherwise known as Byron. He's been on this show. He's, he's big in the chat. He has his own show uh, and he works with Spencer at Rotoballer. He keeps wanting me to ask you about the sled ride. What, what is that all about? The sled ride? What do you mean? I don't, that's, that, he says, ask him about the sled ride. That, that's what it says in the chat. Do you not know what that reference is? Because we can just move on if not. The sled run or sled ride? I don't know. But the fact that you have to ask me that question means the <laughs> reference is, is lost on all of us. So, okay, it's your pick. You have Rory McIlroy. Who's next? Uh, you talked about the nine nine thousand guys, and you know, with, with Homa, that would have been a lot to take on with Rory. There are other lower priced nine thousand dollar players. So I'm gonna jump into the eight thousand dollars. I'm gonna save some money off the bat. Probably come back to the nine thousand dollar guys in a minute. Uh, I'm gonna go a little bit further down the line at eighty three hundred and take Terrell Hatton. He's a guy who's won here before. Uh, he he also finished runner up last year. You don't hear his name a lot because he plays on both tours, both on the Euro and here. Got to specify, you say both tours and you think I'm starting a war with Liv. He's a European guy and a, a PGA Tour guy, so you don't hear his name that often. But here's a guy who shows up when the weather's dicey. He's a guy that shows up when the field is hard, difficult conditions. One here before, his only PGA Tour official win was on this course. Uh, so I'm going to take him at 8,300 and start with maybe saving a little bit money there. But the combination of two previous winners right off the bat is where I'm going. I love Hatton this week. I, I love how his weighted tee to green numbers are trending. Those are looking really good. And I love how he's done it here. He's had some good finishes here, but he's done it in a lot of different ways. Like one tournament, it'll be great, crazy good ball striking and kind of a bad putter. Another tournament will be a great putter and not so great ball striking. So I just feel like the game is really coming together where we might see the, the, just the formation of both of those things coming together. It wouldn't shock me at all if this guy top fives this thing. And I think he could contend in this tournament, in this field, believe it or not. So, um, Joel, before we get to Spencer's pick, Terrell Hatton, what do you think? Well, he was on my list. as won't be one of my next picks. So yeah. uh, he'll be one of my value plays for sure. Stolen. All right, Spencer, did, did, did David steal Terrell Hatton from you? You've got back-to-back -back picks. 
I mean, I have to be honest, I was kind of hoping David was going to steal the player that I'm probably going to take right now because I wanted to take somebody else. And I wasn't anticipating this guy getting back to me at this spot. And I mean, this is this is going to open up um, a bit of a problem here, I guess, because now I will be in the six thousand dollar range. I can promise you that (laughs) I'm going to go with this is a really chalky start to a lineup also, but I'm going to go with Will Zalatoris at nine thousand four hundred. I know that's a player that's received the wrong end of the draw here. And we could argue about what that means, you know, if we want to dive into that deeper. But I really like Zalatoris on these harder golf courses. He's fourth in my model when it's weighted proximity from 150 plus yards. He's third when I just run this from a weighted proximity sense from all ranges. He's inside the top five for weighted scoring for me. The win play looks good. Um, I mean, he jumps inside the top five for me when we just talk about win equity here. I unfortunately didn't get the outright ticket on him when he was 30 to one or 35 to one in the space before that number dropped. So I'm going to try to get exposure this way. And I'm going to hope that the perceived end of the weather draw pushes him down from this ownership a little bit. And we don't maybe have that 20 and a half percent range. And unfortunately that now means that I'm not going to take the player that I really wanted here. And uh, if anybody wants to remind me at the end, or if somebody picks him, I'll mention who that is, but I'm going to have to go towards the bottom of the barrel here. To some extent, I'm going to stick in the $7,000 range now uh, for my second pick. And I'm going to take Aaron Wise at 7,200. And Wise for me is a golfer that is a top 10 to 15 player. And I don't think that most of the general public agrees with that, which is why we see him down in this price range right now. When I ran numbers for 2023 and I was trying to figure out like, I ranked it and this was like a season long answer that I did. And I know this is not a course specific answer here, but Aaron wise was very fringe top 10, no matter how I ran those numbers there. I think the ball striking for him is really good. It's kind of what I talked about last week when I took him. you look at these coastal courses, these Florida events, you add water to the mix, all of that propels what his upside actually is. And to me, he's a version of what Sam Burns was last year to where I think at some point, if wise can just catch that fire, we don't see him at 7,200 anymore. We see him in the $9,000 range or like the mid to upper $8,000 range. So I'm hoping that I'm ahead of the market here on this move. And, you know, it's going to at least allow me a little bit of wiggle room right now by making that pick. Yeah, I'll jump in and say I love Will Zalatoris. And for the record, for for those of you that are new to this show, uh, thank you for being here. Please hit the like button. But we do the first round leader segment at the end of this show. And... Spoiler alert, uh, Will Zalatoris may be featured in that one. At, at, at You mentioned Spencer 35 to 1. Well, if you're worried about the weather draw, maybe you grab some of these guys in the first round leader market as opposed to the overall market. Again, that assumes you're worried about the weather draw. I'm not going to be on Aaron Wise. I, I just, I haven't seen enough. I feel like we, we have a Cameron D- Davis situation on our hands. Where I fall for that rep- every week. <laughs> yeah, where the reputation is sort of preceding what the actual results and metrics are showing us. But the jury's not out on that yet. So Spencer, you, you going back to Aaron Wise here, it certainly makes sense. I, I, I certainly think there's upside, particularly at 7,200. So David, it's back to you. Any but clarity before... on the sled thing or? No, he said you, he said you tweeted about it a few hours ago, I think. Oh, that, that was like literally today. I thought we were talking back, back when I was on the show. Oh yeah. Um, if you see me shifting around right now, it's because I hope I didn't break my tailbone. The sled incident he was talking about is today was a snow day in Connecticut. I know you guys from Florida. I'm formerly from there. have no idea what I'm talking about. But Never today heard was of it. a snow day. 
got a good six, eight inches out there. And the neighborhood kids wanted to neighborhood want to take their kids to uh, the golf course that we live on um, and, and go sledding down the hills. And I've lived here two years. And last winter, we had plenty of times went up to the 18th green and sled down until we got kicked off the course. Uh, so today they went over on 10, which is across the street, kind of hidden behind the trees so no one could see them. I had a meeting at two o'clock. So I was joined in progress. Got over there at about 315. The kids, I have an eight-year-old and, and a six-year-old. Other neighborhood kids were there. It was probably about six or seven of them and the parents. My wife had taken them. Um, and they had found a perfect hill, 10th fairway. Plenty of my balls have gone down that side. And they were sledding. So finally, my six-year-old daughter asked me to jump with her. And, you know, I'll go with her. So I sit down and she sits on my lap. And we take off down there. And it dawned on me about three quarters of the way down. I had no idea that they built a little ramp. Um, oh, boy. Didn't see it. It was small. It's like a bump, more of a bump than a ramp. But the kids had built that. And me having just gotten there and not been there for the previous hour, had no idea. So when I have it, it's tweeted out, uh, the edited version at least. Um, I I see it as we're about to hit it. And then we took off. And, you know, my daughter thought it was hilarious because she was sitting on my lap. Well, I landed, as you would imagine. And, you know, if you see me shifting around, it's because I, my tailbone hurts. Let's throw it that way. So that's probably why he asked me about it since – um, it's a good video if you want to see it. And if you go all the way through the video, you'll see me get off and say, someone could have told me the bump was there. And then the voice you hear in the background is my wife saying, well, you found it. So, uh, <laughs> joke on me. that That's what he wanted me to talk about. I, I literally was cycling my brain to think something I told a few years ago, but yeah, that happened at about three 30 today. So about six hours ago, I've iced it a few times. Might sit in a nice hot bath and we're done, but yeah, the butt hurts. Well, for those of you that don't already follow David Bierman, I imagine everybody watching already does, uh, but he just gave you multiple reasons to follow. Uh, that video, I'm sure, is marginally well, hilarious. Maybe. I don't know. I tweet, uh, about, I tweet about four things. I talk about betting, dolphins, gators, and stupid things my kids make me do. So that was today. I love it. All right. Well, hopefully you don't do a stupid thing here. You got Roy McIlroy. You got Terrell Hatton. Who's next? Uh, We're going to go with uh, $8,000 here. We're going to go with Keith Mitchell. He's a guy who has been in the top six here twice. He's also had top fives in two of his last three events on tour. He very well could have won in the Genesis two weeks ago. But going up against guys like, you know, Rahm and Scheffler, it's hard to win at all. Uh, You're looking at a course that Spencer described as very long. You got to get it out there. You got to be accurate. And Keith Mitchell is among the leaders in hitting long, accurate drives. So $8,000 right in the middle of my lineup. I, I had intended to go into the sevens, uh, but I wanted to grab Keith Mitchell, not knowing if he'd make it back. And then we'll figure out the math later. Number right. one in my model for weighted total driving. Wow. There we go. Love. Where is That's he sitting? O- Where's he sitting overall, Spencer? Uh, 17th overall for me. I think he's Strong. a top 20 golfer in the world at this point. And specifically when we put him on Bermuda and Florida courses, and he can use some of that driving that David just talked about. I, I think this is a good price at 8,000 for him. Joel, I, I seem to recall you being kind of one of the first to market on Keith Mitchell. Am I wrong there? And is he in your player pool uh, this week? No, I am. I'm a big fan of Keith Mitchell. I play him a lot and um, I'm playing him this week for sure. And my first instinct was a, I, I was thinking he would be a little bit cheaper coming into the week when I saw the pricing come out. Um, I thought it was a little high, but after I thought about it and, and the value you're getting is probably – there's not many guys that can count on one hand the amount of guys that price or lower that I'd rather play. 
Yeah. I keep Mitchell's is just a, an emerging golfer. There's no question about that. All right. So audience, they've already nominated somebody, uh, no input from me on this one. You know, it's interesting because Tom Kim was like that dude for, you know, a couple months. And then we kind of forget about him now when the, when the fields are loaded and I'm not sure we have good reason for that. Now he doesn't have any experience on this course, but Tom Kim, we know can pop. Listen, he doesn't have the length. And I know length is something that, that people kind of want here. I'm not so sure it's hyper important. I mean, we've seen guys succeed here. Chris Kirk, who was, who was actually nominated as well by Courtney. He's a guy that continuously top 15s here. He certainly doesn't have a ton of length and he's just one of many examples. So I think Tom Kim's a pretty smart tournament play. Uh, Spencer, how do you feel about that? And then David, I want to come to you. It has, am I right that Tom Kim, we were starting to gloss over him and that perhaps we shouldn't be Spencer. You start. I don't know if I'm going to get to him. I think everything that you just mentioned makes a lot of sense. And when I run this, these numbers from a historical perspective, it kind of goes in line with what you just said, Sia, to where, sure, distance anywhere that you want to add distance to will always help. But more of the prerequisite seems to come from accuracy. And I'm not saying like there's a massive difference. It's a it's a second shot course a lot of times where there's forced layups at this venue and, and some of that comes into play. But look, I don't know what Tom Kim is. My model's never been as high, I, I don't think, as maybe what Joel thought he was. And maybe Joel's still correct with that with that answer. I don't know what he is, and that's kind of intriguing when you're telling me he's going to be probably the lowest owned guy from $8,000 and up. So if you want to, like, dart throw this and take a shot, I'm fine with that. But, like, metrically-wise, I, I don't know if he fits what I'm looking for. But that's kind of a double-edged sword answer that I just gave because you can take shots on players that are, like, top 25, top 30 guys in my model when they're 5 6 7% owned. Yeah, David, your thoughts on Tom Kim this week? I mean, I mean, I like Tom Kim, and in terms of glossing over him, I mean, what's he, 21, 22 years old, and mm -hmm. you know, he came and jumped on tour. Everybody was fascinated with him, and he did so well early on that you're going to get the attention, and then it starts dying down when the Schefflers and the Homas and and the the Roms of the world start winning every week. And and do I mind the play? No, I like Tom Kim, but if you've noticed by my pattern so far, which will probably continue. I've been picking guys who I believe course history is important this week. Everyone values it differently every single week. It's not a guy who's seen this course at all before. So I always, that, that doesn't mean he can't go out there and do what Colin Morikawa seems to do every time he plays into the course and win, but that's more of the exception to the norm. So could Tom Kim win? Absolutely. He has all the talent in the world, but this is not the event where I want a so-called rookie young guy uh, playing because you just, you don't know what you don't know. And the Arnold Palmer is not the course. I mean, if it was a different one where it's a birdie fest in Minnesota or Detroit, maybe um, not, no knocking the pick. I mean, heck you, you beat me every single week in this thing. So I'll trust your instinct. It's just tough for me to go with a young guy who hasn't really seen much of this course. Hey, it's, it's not my pick. It's the audience. And we're kind of at odds right now. So you can <laughs> knock the pick all you want. I'm just kidding. Audience. I'm just kidding. I kid you, Joel. You got back-to-back -back picks here. You got Xander, you got Tommy Fleetwood, and two more. Who's it going to be? So I'm super happy about how this draft is playing out for me. Uh, couldn't have scripted it any better. We'll start with Scotty Scheffler. Um, and I think that was part of my strategy. I wanted to start with the value early, hoping one of the top-tier guys would fall to me, and, and that's what happened. So um, I'm able to get one of the top studs here with my third pick, and then I need to go back to value. So I'll take the short-term hottest player in the world – Give me Chris Kirk coming off yeah. a victory. I know people don't like to play guys coming off a victory, but 
you know, that wasn't just a flash in the pan. He's been playing really well all year. You're getting him at 7,700, and he's got a great course history here. He's he's had a lot. It's like I think I'm with you, David. I overvalue. I think course history maybe a little bit, but I mean, he's got in his last two tries, he's got two top tens here. A tight 15 in 2019, 13th in 2018. He's had a history of really doing well in this course. Obviously, his game's in good form based on winning a tournament last week. Um, so I think for under a case, he's one of my favorite value plays of the week. Yeah, I mean, this guy has been a monster here. Like you said, and like I said earlier, he the last four years, it's top 15 or better. And some of those are inside the top 10. Last year, he was fifth tee to green here. I mean, that's really, really impressive. I mean, he's doing it across all the metrics. He gained last year, not just tee to green, not, not just with those three metrics, but with the putter as well. So I think I think Chris Kirk is, is a really, really smart play. Okay, the audience, I believe, is nominating. Oh, some surprising picks here. <laughs> Let's see if somebody gets... Oh, we're going to need more nominations. We have a ton of people watching, but you guys are a little slow on the nomination. Oh, I see another guy I like here. So I, I almost want a second um, one of those guys, but I don't want to tip the scales yet. I'm going to give you guys a few more seconds to put in some nominations. And if not, I'm going to second one of those picks. All right. Everybody's telling me to do it. It's going to be Adam Hadwin. Uh, another guy that I think the game is really emerging. And if, if memory serves, his history here is okay. It's solid. And I think it's 7,500, especially the way the game is trending for Adam Hadwin specifically. Another one of those guys, like kind of in that Chris Kirk mold where he's certainly not going to wow you with like the Keith Mitchell driving and, and the long irons probably aren't going to be as good as some of these, like these guys that can really power it off the tee and with the long irons. But I just think Adam Hadwin's game is in a good place. And so I don't know who nominated him, but I'm going to go ahead and second the Adam Hadwin pick, and it was Jimmy Wagner. So, Jimmy Wagner, you and I are on the same team here. Uh, I think he is going to be a little divisive this week. So, Spencer, I'm going to come to you before we get back to David's pick. Adam Hadwin, is he a yes or a no per your model? I'll keep it simple. I'm going to say no. Okay. Joel? Yes. And David, uh, yes or no on Adam Hadwin? Wasn't on my board, but that doesn't mean it's a bad pick. Uh, was not someone I was looking at. Fair enough. Okay, so it's your pick. I've got a couple quick questions for you before you go. Pineapple sure, yeah. on pizza. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Uh, leaning no. My wife loves it. I'm not going to throw it out, but it's not not by choice. If my wife says, you got the pepperoni, I get the pineapple, then fine. We'll split it. Um, but it's not something I'm going to ask for ahead of time. Well, it's a good thing I asked you and not your wife because you gave the correct answer. Real quick before this next pick, uh, maybe your top two golfers of all time. Uh, we got to go with Tiger Woods. I mean, he set the standard. You know, you're, I was in high school when he won at the Masters. Um, actually, no, I was in college by then. But when he came up, I was in high school. Uh, so, so when I really got into golf, and you got to go back to, to 95 when I worked the Honda Classic, obviously last week's event, the Honda it was at Weston Hills beyond before that. My, I lived down the street from it. I worked it for a couple of years. That's where I sort of fell in love with golf. Um, and then Tiger took over from there. So, I mean, the, the entire sport is where it is today because of Tiger Woods and, and watching him, no matter what age he is, no matter what injury or what scandal he's coming back from, it's always, <laughs> you always, for whatever reason, you find yourself rooting for Tiger Woods. So he would be number one. Uh, number two is going to, kind of catch you by surprise, but it goes back to that 1994, 95, 96 era when I was working the Honda Classic. Um, one year I drew, I was a standard bearer holding up the, the sign with, with the scores, doing it through our, through our high school, volunteering. 
Uh, I drew the Sunday leaders. It was a little guy that nobody ever heard of, Brandel Chambly. Hmm. Um, and Davis Love the Third, veteran Davis Love the Third. That was the final pairing that day. So I got to walk with them the entire round. Both of them were absolutely wonderful individuals. Um, and Davis Love the Third kind of took me aside and talked to me about golf the entire 18 rounds while he was in the final pairing, which is you watch it on TV, you don't see those guys talking often. Usually they're in the zone. Uh, but DL3 was right there all day. I was a little pimple faced 15 year old kind of let me have some fun that day. Uh, there was a point in time where we had to put the signs down because the wind was too bad at the Honda, go figure. Um, and because I wasn't doing anything, he let me walk right next to him. So um, at the end of the day, he didn't win the tournament. Nick Price won it from behind. He was a, a group ahead. Um, I happened to be standing next to Nick Price when uh, Davis Love III missed the last putt, and Nick Price handed me his ball and autographed it without me even asking. So he's up on that list, but no one roots for Nick Price anymore. That was 100 years ago. Uh, but I'll go DL3 as my second favorite golfer and. You know, there, there's some memorabilia up there on the wall, and some of it's Brandel, some of it's Davis. Yeah, Lovett I see Ford. that there. Absolutely. You see Tom Lehman, uh, John Daly. Those were all guys who I befriended back in the day when I was in high school. Uh, many, many years later, when I started covering golf for ESPN, you've met them all. But all that stuff there is from when I was a kid working in high school. So I'll go Tiger and DL3 as my two favorite golfers. Well, None next time, ne next time you're on the show, David, uh, you'll have to tell us some John Daly stories because that that could probably take an entire episode. I have a really, really good John Daly story that I will tell you next time or maybe before the next pick. But, yeah, at some point I will tell you one. Um, it was a fun. He was out of contention, which made it that much more fun. So, Well, he's out of contention for this tournament because he's not in the field. But who are you going to pick with your fourth pick after Keith Mitchell? For whatever reason, when I do these DraftKings thing every single week, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, when I get later in the draft, I'm always looking at what my average price is. And my fourth pick, sometimes my fifth pick, is always around what my average is. Don't know why. Not like I'm going to go spend $10,000 and then have to make it up later. So I'm going to go right where the average is. And I'm going to go with Keegan Bradley at $7,600. Uh, the guy has not missed a cut in 10 tries at this event. So you want you want all six guys in there. If you can get a guy who's never missed a cut, you want to sign up for it. Uh, T11 and T10 each of the last two years. And, you know, not that this is the reason for the pick, but that red flag back there at the 2011 PGA Championship won by none other than Keegan Bradley. Uh, Spencer, you're kind of squirming, and it leads me to believe that David just stole one of your two next picks. Yep, that's where I was going next. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I think I just won no matter what, no matter what the scores are. I stole the champion's pick. <laughs> you stole the champion's pick, and hopefully that will um, throw him a little sideways. So, Spencer, you got back-to-back -back picks. I, I like the Keegan Bradley pick as well. Uh, I haven't put him in a in a in a lineup yet, but he makes so much sense, almost too much sense, where you're like. All right, that, that's the guy that's missing the cut because he fits so, so well. Spencer, you got two picks. Well, I'm going to say this. I think he's good chalk. Like, I, I anybody can miss the cut. It's golf. I, I think he's a very good pick this week. I He'd have to be higher on than what he is for me to want it, like, for me to want to take him out of my player pool here. But, man, I I don't know what to do. You came to me too fast there, Sia. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little bit of time because – the, the audience is a little mad at me for, for quote, ratifying Adam Hadwin because I think people wanted to go in a different direction. And all I said to them was, you know, I gave you guys some time. You know that after David makes his pick on, on the way up and after Joel makes his second pick on the way back, that's the time you guys got to start typing in names. So Justin Bailey says ratifying. Okay, lawyer. Yeah, I don't, you know, some of that lawyer stuff is still in me. So my apologies for, for the, uh, for big timing it with the legal words. But Spencer, have I bought enough time for you? 
All right, so I'm going to take two players here. I, I definitely am pivoting from what I wanted to do. Uh, the first pick, I am going to go with Tom Hoagie. I think when we think of Florida golf, we think of ball strikers. We think of guys that can give you good GIR percentage that are good with their second shots. I mean, that's pretty much what Hoagie's going to bring to the table here. He's third in my model for weighted proximity from 150 plus yards. He's second in weighted proximity overall. Um, when we look at the GIR percentage, like, I mean, that's inside the top 50 for me. So I'm going to go with him first. And then I'm going to take a little bit more of, I guess, what my model seems to think is a boomer bus play here, which is what I was trying to avoid, but it keeps me in the $7,000 range uh, for every pick that I make, unless I go further down, I guess, which is a possibility, but I'm going to take Siwoo Kim at 7,500. And one of the things I like about Siwoo Kim is when we talk about players that can actually win this from off the pace, and I'm talking about golfers that are, let's say a hundred to one or above, I want to find, or let's even say 70 to one or above. Cause I'd like to throw Keegan Bradley into that mix. I want players that have pedigree. They have history. So Bradley's a major winner. Siwoo Kim won the Players' Championship. I, I think these are a, a lot of different routes that to where I know Siwoo Kim plays Bermuda well. He plays difficult courses well. He's typically pretty good in the win. We've seen him find success in Florida before, which dates back to that Players' Championship thing. Probably a little bit more boom or bust than I wanted to go with here because he has the upside that I'm looking for to win this event and kind of the downside to miss the cut, which... You look at what he's done at this tournament, it's miscut, 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 withdraw 26th. But um, I think with Bradley being off the board, this is one of the steadier ways for me to play it while still trying to get aggressive. All right. And that was two picks, right? That was Tom Hoagie and Siwoo Kim, right? Yes. All right. Um, interesting. I actually took a matchup already and I, I put it out in the universe. Uh, I believe it was Chris Kirk over Tom Hoagie. So I imagine you're not a huge fan of that one. I'm fine with it. I think Kirk is a perfectly acceptable play this week. And I think if we're talking just like safety of matchups, it, it's kind of what you want. You want that Kirk safety over the volatility on the other end there. So I, I don't have a problem with that. It's like, I just view this to be a, a, a pretty reasonable GPP play above anything else. Fair enough. All right, David, well, it is back to you. And before you make your next pick, which will be your fifth player of six favorite host of the ESPYs, of all time. You're going to get some ESPN questions too. Favorite host of the ESPYs. Uh, definitely not Rob Ritter, who hosted the last couple of years. Um, didn't Chris Rock, didn't Chris Rock host a couple like a decade ago? I think it might've been Chris Rock. It's pretty funny. Yeah. That's know, a good, that's a good one. Go ahead. I know he obviously hosted the Oscars recently. He didn't go very well, but I'm pretty sure he did a good job at the ESPYs. To be honest, and I love the ESPYs and promote the company, you know, shameless plug. Uh, for, for many, many years, I was working the Open Championship and didn't get to see the ESPYs since I was over there during it. It always mm -hmm. runs right before the event starts. And sometimes I'd catch the tail end of it coming in. But um, I think Chris Rock was a good host. But you got, you got better ESPN questions than that. Come on. Can't be the ESPYs. Can't be the ESPN question you're going to ask. I feel well, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Chris Rock definitely should have kept Will Smith's wife's name. Out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't go very well. <laughs> it, it, it did not. Uh, by the way, the correct answer was, in fact, Justin Timberlake. So you, you didn't get that one right. But let me give you another ESPN question. Sure. Uh, I'm being facetious, of course. You could pick any host that you want. Favorite This is Sports Center commercial. My favorite one is with uh, my boy Jay Harris and the New Jersey Devils mascot when they get to the elevator and. Um, 
Jay Harris wanted to go up and clicks yes. on the button. The elevator opens and the New Jersey devil mascots in there saying, no, we're going down and Jay walked back out of the elevator. So that's, that's my favorite one for many reasons. It's just a funny one. Plus I, I, Jay's a great dude. And um, it's, there's many, many, many good commercials. I, I I've been in some of them. I've been around some of them. Um, I, I was a mascot once running around in one of them. Um, yes. So I've been in a couple, I've been in one or two with Barry Melrose that was in there back in the day. Uh, but that would be my favorite one that I was not in that, uh, that I remember back in the day. All right. Well, we'll finally let you get to your pick. I have a couple more questions. We'll save them uh, for a few minutes, but you just took Keegan Bradley. Who's next? I did. And this, this is a coin flip. I was kind of hoping uh, Spencer would take one of these two guys. So I wouldn't have to choose between the two of them, but he didn't. Um, so I'll stay on brand with, you know, this guy's done well here. He's also a really good long hitter off the tee and, He's one of my sneaky favorite golfers who I got on early last year, year before, and cashed a whole bunch of top tens. I called him my human ATM. That's all we really want from him this week. Corey Connors at 7,800. Um, get me another top 10. I'll be very, very happy. Yeah, Corey Connors is, you know, he he definitely lends the, the notion that, you know, you could just go with ball strikers here. I think Corey Connors and a bunch of other people, one that hasn't been selected yet, uh, guys who may be perceived as bad around the green players, but have somehow succeeded here. Uh, I think Corey Connors fits nicely in that mold. And I think that's a, a really solid pick. Um, Joel, Corey Connors. He's not is, a guy who has won a lot of events, but he's a guy who contends a lot and hangs around. Absolutely. Uh, Joel, Corey Connors, yes or no? I haven't had him in my lineup, but I don't hate him. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Spencer, Connors, yes or no? I'll say yes, but I usually say yes with Connors. Fair enough. Okay, so we have nominations in, and it looks like Colin Morikawa has been nominated by the audience. So, right? We have M. Padden nominated Morikawa and Justin Bailey nominated Morikawa. So unless I'm seeing something wrong here, it's going to be Colin Morikawa for team audience, which leaves us how much remaining? 7,200, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not too bad. Oh, it's not Morikawa, Zach says. No, it is Morikawa. Okay. Morikawa is our pick. Does the wind scare you at all? Um, Spencer, I'll, I'll go to you first. Uh, you know, I, I know when it, in some windy situations recently, his ball seems to have gotten kind of caught up. It, it's, it's something that's bothered him. Is that just kind of, you know, a flicker or is that something that we need to worry about? I, I've noticed that trend with Morikawa and with Hovland. I, I don't really know what the reason is. Maybe they're just such pristine second shot players that you add that extra wrinkle in with the wind and it throws them off a little bit. And, and the numbers go more south with Hovland than they do Morikawa when we look at that answer. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Morikawa has actual like, I mean, obviously what I'm saying makes sense. He wins a lot of golf tournaments, but like there's weeks where he has real win equity and there's weeks where I don't like him as much. I think this is one of those weeks where he has real win equity. I don't know exactly what to expect from him, but if he goes out and wins this tournament, I I'm not going to be shocked. And that's coming from somebody who very rarely does play Morikawa. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Uh, if it was between, because you mentioned Hovland, so I'll just say this. If it was between Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, it, to me, it's Victor Hovland, and it's, it's not particularly close for me. And I know that's like a ridiculous statement, right? Because they're both really, really extremely talented, but... I love how Hovland has played here. I mean, I really, the ball striking, the around the green play, and I, I can talk about him because nobody can take him anymore, but he's gained three out of four times playing at Bay Hill around the green in pretty significant ways. So I think Hovland has this place figured out to some degree. He might be on the wrong side of the draw, but 
outside of that, I, I do like him quite a bit. Uh, David, Colin Morikawa, yes or no? Um, I like Morikawa. You you brought up the point about the wind. The wind does bother me. Uh, I, you can never go wrong having him. I didn't play him just because of I did, kind of avoided the 9,000 range in this event. Um, there is one DFS lineup where I do have him in where I went in a completely different direction than what I've shown today and, and what I have an else player. But I usually do that. I like a contrarian lineup going in a different direction. I have Kawa in that one. Uh, he, he can win any event. He's that talented. I just don't know if this is the course for him, especially with the win. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody's uh, anybody else has kind of figured this out, but when I'm asking David these questions, I'm really just trying to get info from him, some tells for the league that we're in. And I've got I've got a lot. I'm gonna have to watch this over like the Zabruder film, like ten, maybe twenty times. But uh, got some in, I got some intel here. All right, Joel. Speaking of intel, you got two more picks. Make them good. All right, I, I'm I think I'm I'm locked in here uh, with my first pick. I'm gonna take Sahit Tagama. Um, and he's really coming on right now. And to get him at this price, I think he's a really great value. Over his last three weeks, he's got two top tens. He obviously lost something at the at the waste management. But the Farmers, he gained almost seven strokes, ball strike on approach, and he gained over seven at the Genesis. So if he can find that ball striking here, um, you know, find some fairways, be okay with the driver, and make a few putts, you know, I think top ten is, is definitely potential for some – a potential for him at under 8k which is only a handful of guys i think that really have top 10 potential um in that price range and i'm going to go and pair him with uh my riskiest pick but you know i gotta get some value here i'm gonna go with robbie shelton uh i really like where robbie shelton's game is he's been playing really well um you know your, your biggest issue with robbie shelton is putting you know he's not you know he doesn't typically he's not a very good putter he's not going to rule the world there, but his ball striking is there. He can compete with these guys even around the green. So if he can have a good week with the plastic, I think he can get a top 20 at Robbie Shelton. Yeah, I had Robbie Shelton a lot last week. Um, he was, he had some good days. He had some bad days. I, honestly, it was the lineup. Um, I had a lineup in the PME that finished 10th out of the 3000. And that lineup actually had Robbie Shelton. If he could just, you know, he, he had a bad 18. Uh, if, if he could have just closed a little bit better, uh, it certainly could have helped me maybe move up a little bit, but yeah, I think Robbie Shelton on this course, we'll see what happens. But then the putter can kind of get in his way. But like David said earlier, I think you can succeed here if, if you're coming in as a, you know, a below average putter. So like the Robbie Shelton pick, I, I'm guessing we already have somebody nominated and ratified here. Um, a lot of nominations in. Oh, there it is. Patrick Rogers. Persona non grata in most circles because everybody for some reason played him. What was it? Two weeks ago. I didn't have a single share of him, might I add, but. He was hugely popular and he was hugely terrible in that very same tournament. So it's an interesting play because I think people still have that bad taste in their mouth. Usually people are willing to go back to somebody that jilted them if they're like Victor Hovland or, you know, an 8K or 9K player. But somebody in Patrick Rogers range, he's probably going to be extremely low owned is my guess, uh, not looking at the numbers. So I don't have a problem with this pick. He seems like a good course fit. Uh, Spencer, let me kick it to you real quick. Is Patrick Rogers on the radar at all? Uh, so I have not made a decision yet of what I was going to do, but Patrick Rogers was one of the two or three names that I was considering. Oh, okay. so, so I'm now down to two options, I guess. And Joel, before we get to David's pick and my question for David, uh, Patrick Rogers, is he a yes or no? I mean, we got to be honest here. Like in this range, there's not a lot of like great guys to pick. So, I mean, if you say no, it's not going to be super insulting to team audience or David for that matter, I imagine. Yeah, I'm going to say no on, uh, on Rogers for this week. I'm also 
going to say no, but that's only because I want to continue to pick a fight with my very own team, team audience. David, before your next pick, uh, two quick questions. Sure. Athlete or celebrity that you saw at ESPN headquarters that you, you, David Bierman, were like, wow, I'm, I'm a little starstruck here. Danica Patrick. <laughs> it's gonna nice. It's gonna sound like a lame, a lame one, but um, she was in. That was when she was driving Indy and then NASCAR. Um, the old, old. I started in the production research department doing stats and information for the live shows, and before they built the new building, our old building was back in the ESPN news days. For those guys who grew up watching ESPN news, our mm-hmm. our room was right there. You had to go through our room to get to the ESPN news studio and ESPN news was all about having guests on all the time for their shows. Uh, so one after another would always come through there and just stand there and wait like in the green room to go on. It was right in front of us and, you know, LaDainian and Tomlinson and on and on and on from the mid two thousands. And then Danica was there one day and I just looked up and, you know, good looking girl shorter than I am. And here she was driving, driving cars. And it's just like, you know, it's what everybody wants to do is drive, drive race cars. Uh, and she was in full uniform and everything. And it was just, I didn't, I didn't have anything to say. Let's just put it that way. Fair enough. I, I like that one. Okay. Your final question before your final pick, Frazier or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Damn it. That's the <laughs> incorrect answer. I, both great shows. But if you were to have, if you were to quote a hundred lines, I would get Seinfeld ahead of Frazier every time. So that that's actually a fair statement. Uh, that's a fair statement. If that is your kind of the, the, the analysis by which you evaluate them, then, then I, I got to give you that one. Can I um, trump it and say neither and go with married with children instead? Oh, that's, that's great. Mar- married with children's a great one. Listen, that would have been my answer to what's your, what's your favorite show growing up. It would have been that one. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm about to collaborate with somebody and I'm not going to reveal his name, but uh, uh, about a sort of like a sitcom 64, if you will, kind of a March Madness type oriented thing. Uh, I, there's a great debate. I, I posted my top three sitcoms of all time uh, just the other day. And the amount of vitriol and comments I caught from that was was pretty great. So I think we all kind of grew up with these shows. I think it's super interesting. By the way, my top three, Frasier was number one. Um, Scrubs was number three, but it probably should have been How I Met Your Mother. And for some reason... I think I'm forgetting number two, so we'll get back to that. But let's get to your pick. After Corey Connors, you're rounding out your team with? Yeah, let me let me ask you this question before I make this pick because I haven't done this with you guys before. Mm-hmm. I've noticed one of you didn't leave money on the table, one of you did. I, I've seen you guys tweet out the results a couple of times. Is it you hate leaving money on the table? And obviously you wouldn't have to if you were doing your own draft because I've done a draft right here that's very similar to what I did last night when I was playing around with a couple of lineups and I always got into the same predicament where 76, 7,700 left and they're all the same. You don't like any of them. Um, the two ones that I would pop out the most would be Kirk and Fowler. And you guys already drafted them again. This mm-hmm. was me, myself and I, the 7,700 I have left, I could easily plug in Fowler or Kirk, but it's yep. not. So not that I want to steal your strategy. And since you're trying to beat me, but do you leave money on the table or do you not in this draft? In this draft, it really, it, it's whatever you would do in a normal tournament. I mean, the beauty of these drafts is because guys like Ricky Fowler or in my case, in our case, Terrell Hatton were taken, we don't get the luxury of taking them. And therefore, we end up building lineups that, that are not only unique, but unique to the own li- like our very own lineups. And so that's what makes the show really interesting. We get to evaluate all the players, but... We also ha- we, we generally form pretty unique lineups. 
with that said, whether you leave money on the table, it it doesn't really matter one way or the other. Okay. With that being said, you know, 7,700, there are a couple of guys I would have loved to have had, um, and I have taken them in, in my own lineup. Um, don't love this pick. I'm go out there and preface it with that. I like the golfer. Don't love the pick. But again, long course, as Spencer alluded to, this will probably bite me in the butt. We'll leave a little money on the table, but we'll go with Gary Woodland at 7,400. Big hitter. He's a bomber. Doesn't always hit it straight. If he can putt, this is a guy who can win this event. He should have won more than he has, but I'm going to take Gary Woodland, Woodland, who's left in this 7,700 down to 7,300 range, would be the favorite one of those. Let's put it that way. Uh, Woodland is definitely showing some glimpses. And this this appears to be a good track for him. He's, he's done okay here. Joel, you were nodding your head. Are you are you team Woodland this week? Yeah, no, I think he's a savvy pick. I think he's a guy that for the value you're getting, he can get you that top 20, right? Which is what you need from him on this lineup. And uh, you know, his ball striking has looked really good. He's one of one of those guys that when you are taking a value shot here, you're gonna need to rest something. He's one of those guys that you're gonna need to come in here and make some putts. And if he does, I think you'll have a good result. Uh, Spencer, it's your pick, but Chris is here. And Chris, uh, I got to tell you, man, you, you uh, I, I don't want to bring this up. We're already kind of like through an hour. We got to do the first round leaders in Spencer's last pick, but community was my second favorite show. But Chris, you had a really nice comment today about some of the interview series that I've been doing um, on Sienajad Sports on YouTube and that it, it's already kind of changed your life in some ways in your mindset. And so I just want you to know, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, Spencer, you've got one pick left. Who's it going to be? I'll answer Justin's question very quickly. So the player that I was talking about was Sung JM. I think this is a unique spot to try to go back to him after he essentially burned like 40% of lineups last week. Uh, I, I could make an argument that, and maybe in the spot that I'm in right now, I kind of wish that I had that $500 left over to try to build this a little bit differently. Like I was, and this is what makes these drafts so difficult. It's like, I was, a hundred percent in to take Keegan Bradley and to build it that way. And then as soon as Keegan Bradley's off the board, you obviously have to scramble to try to make things different. And, you know, in retrospect, I don't know if this lineup was better than the lineup that I was going to make. Like, I don't think it is. I think it got worse in a lot of ways with it. And, and in that regard, I'd rather have some JM than Will Zalatoris and let me play in that, you know, like 7,600 range rather than where I am right now. But with where everything stands, I did consider taking Alex Smalley and leaving a bunch of money on the table. Uh, I looked into Taylor Pendrith a little bit. I think that's a fine route to go. I don't have problems with either one of those two things. I'm going to go the volatile route, which, I mean, you could make an argument that this lineup might be already a little too volatile with like the Siwoo Kim, Aaron Wise uh, duo that I have. And then I had the third guy here. I'm going to take Russell Henley at 7,100 and eat up all my salary for this event. He has not been good to start this year, at least from a results standpoint with it. But I think the switch to Bermuda might be good for him. And, you know, if we look at what he did at the Century and what he did at the Sony, he gained seven and a half shots with his approach. Then he lost 4.6 at the WM Phoenix Open in the Genesis. I'm just hoping that if we switch to this course, that there's going to be a turnaround. Obviously, he had a good result here last year when he played it. But I don't I don't love this. I think it's a nice GPP play if you're shooting for the moon on it. but. I don't really know where the floor is here, which worries me a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, Joel, any thoughts there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of agree with Spencer there. I, I don't love the Henley pick, but like I can understand it for if you're stuck, you kind of need to take someone at that price. I can see how you can come to it, but I probably won't be playing them. Fair enough. 
And Chris says, Joel McHale can't act, but that show was great early on. The thing is, Joel McHale kind of just played Joel McHale in Community, which actually worked for him. So, Chris, I don't disagree with your point, but man, that is a that is a pretty clever show. The writing in that show, very good. Sorry, I keep sidetracking us. I, that That's the draft, right, Joel? Do we just go right to first-round leaders? That is a wrap. Don't forget, we always post these lineups on Twitter. Let us know where you stand. Who do you think is coming through this week? Give us a follow. Hit the like button. And comment. Let us know which team you think is taking it down. Even though we all know I'm going to, feel free to let us know what you think as well. But we're not done yet. As I pull the draft board down, we do have some first-round leaders. Spence, we'll start with you. Who are you looking at in the first-round leader market? So I took Will Zalatoris, 37-1. to I think that's what Sia was alluding to, of trying to maybe grab him if you think he's on the wrong end of the weather draw. Same exact mentality that I took with Sung JM at 45 to 1. Aaron Wise, 80 to 1. Siwoo Kim, 80 to 1. And then I just recently added Matthew Fitzpatrick at 45 to 1. All right. I like it. I like it. How about you, David? Do you have any first round leader plays for us this week? I do. I'm going to take whatever Sia takes. (laughs) (laughs) Smart move. (laughs) Um, I got I got two plays of my own that I have taken. Uh, one is nostalgia. There's not much value. He's only 22 to one. But but Rory, you saw what he did last year on Thursday. Went out there and shot lights out. He loves the course. He's on a mission. So I'm gonna take Rory again. Worked once. Why not work twice? Um, actually, three of them. I'm gonna take um, Tom Hoagie. He's on the wrong side of the card to win this event, going early and then late. But he's going early, which means he's ahead of the wind. He might get the wind on Friday afternoon, but we do know he's going to be in the one spot that we know is going to be light, and that's early on Thursday. The wind, that's the lowest it's going to be all week. And identifying guys who were going out early Thursday, Tom Hoagie's one. Um, and then I think Corey Connors is a guy that can get out. And he's on the back end on, on Thursday if the wind isn't too bad. I think Corey Connors, who is, well, Hoagie is 70 to 1. And I'm looking right now, Connors is. Doot, 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 doot. 80 to 1. So we got a 70 to 1, 80 to 1, and then Rory for nostalgia. Hey, it's 22 to 1. It still pays nice if it hits. Not as well if it splits it, but I'll take it just because it happened before and it happened on this very course. So maybe lightning strikes twice. Love it. I, I love it. I love those picks. Uh, I definitely like the Rory one a lot. For me, I got three plays for the first one this week. I'm going to start with Tony Finau at 40 to 1. Um, I think he's kind of one of those weeks where Tony kind of comes out and surprises you. He does one of two things. He either starts the week like four over and you're like, yes. all right, my week's ruined. <laughs> or he comes out hot and if you didn't play him, you're like, oh, man, I knew I should have played Fino. So I'm going to go with Fino coming out with a good week. Um, and then on a little bit of longer eyes, I have some fun with it. I like my draft pick, Tommy Fleetwood, at 75 to 1. And I also like Hideki Matsuyama at 60 to 1. You know, the instant like – the instant gratification of, of first round leaders and first baskets and first at bat and first drive, no touchdown. It's amazing how much money we pour into stuff that's utterly irrelevant to the actual whole, yes. the actual entire event. But hey, you know, when when uh when Fleetwood, who I didn't play, goes out there and shoots six under on, on Thursday, I'm gonna remember this conversation. And you know what? While it, you're hundred percent right, it is irrelevant to the event, it is not irrelevant to our bank accounts. Which, thanks to our hot streaks, have grown significantly. Yep. And so, my only recommendation I have for this week is to take as much money as you possibly can get your hands on, meaning like take a loan out, 
from your grandparents, probably a mortgage on their home or something like that, and bet it on whatever C it tells you to bet it on on this first round leader. Because then all of a sudden you'll have that one home that your grandparents had, and that's going to turn into a whole community. So see, tell us how it's done. So David, just for context here, this is a bit, but <laughs> it's gotten to a point where we, we th there's, there's a gray area because we keep hitting these damn things. So it seems like a, a gray area. It seems like a green area to me. <laughs> it seems like a green area. See, that's why you're at ESPN. David. <laughs> there, we just saw it. So here's the thing. Uh, we're, gonna, we're going for three in a row. And uh, we definitely want you to take out all the mortgages you can, steal all and whatever you need to do, empty out your kids' piggy banks and put it on all of these first round leaders because obviously it's just an amazing investment. Let me go ahead and tell you who to put that piggy bank money on. Victor Hovland. 40 to 1. Jason Day, 40 to 1. Cameron Young, 50 to 1. Wyndham Clark, who I kind of deem discount Keith Mitchell, 100 to 1. Keith Mitchell, can he do it for four rounds? Yeah, maybe. Wyndham Clark, can he do it for four rounds? Probably not, but he can probably do it for one round. So at 100 to 1, I'm willing to take a guy who was really improving on approach or has improved on approach, and we know he can get it out there and sometimes can get hot with the short game. However, the guy, the guy you really want to pull all the money on. I just gave you four. Victor Hovland, Jason Day, Cameron Young, and of course, Wyndham Clark. But your easy button, breaking news, first round leader at the Arnold Palmer Invitational in 2023. Granted, this is a Tuesday, everybody. It's not a Thursday. But I'm going to tell you who your first round leader is going to be. None other than, at 35 to 1, Will Zalatoris. You're welcome, everybody. 35 times your money. Wow, what an investment. All you had to do was watch the Dropcast. It's that easy. It really is that easy. I am excited for this week. This is the feel of a major with a loaded field. We're due for a really fun tournament. It's going to be exciting. Don't forget to check back. We'll give some outrights in Discord. And with the weather changes adjusting throughout the week, we at least want to know where we stand. So check back in, see if the weather still tends to be really windy or if that dies down. There might be a little edge. At least it's just good knowledge to know. Good luck this week. Really, 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 really want to thank David for coming on. It was a pleasure drafting with you. Your stories were awesome. Unfortunately, <laughs> your team won't beat mine, but the stories were great to come along with it. We had a lot of fun. I didn't even tell you the John Daly one. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're still sitting here. If you have time, we have time. I, I do. It was Daly and Layman. It was Saturday. Both of them out of contention. Again, the day before on sun, Sunday, I, I did the leaders. It was Daly and Layman. Again, I'm what am I, 16 years old? And um, the wind was too much. It was 35, 40 mile an hour winds. They told us all, don't don't hold the signs anymore. Just enjoy yourself and, and walk. And I, don't, I think we were on like 15th hole, which was a long par five, water down the left side. I could barely stand up. The wind was so much. And I'm probably 70 pounds soaking wet at the time. And we still had a gallery because it was major winners that we were with. I guess at the time, probably Daly had won one layman one i don't know do the math but they were both had one majors saturday afternoon well out of contention daily hits one into the wind that just ball disappeared into pluto and too loud for my own good you can tell that i can speak and i like to talk a lot but even at like 16 years old i don't know if we're allowed to curse on air here so i'll abbreviate but it was more Absolutely. like <laughs> s word if i had hit that ball it would have went backwards and it was too loud. Like I cursed and I said, if I had hit the ball, it would have gone backwards. And then Daly kind of looked straight at me and I'm like, oh crap, I'm dead. I'm fired. I'm out. Like he's going to throw me in the water. He comes up to me 
right after he teed off, I said what I said, puts his arm around me, walks off the tee box while pulling out a cigarette and goes, kid, the way I've been playing, I wouldn't be surprised if mine effing went backwards as well. And I was like, <laughs> I thought he was going to throw me in the water. Instead, he offered me a cigarette, which I didn't take, walked down the ferry with me and put his arms around me and said that. So I will always remember, say what you want about John Daly, but when I opened up my big trap, he didn't throw me in the water. He said something even funnier than I said. So he seems charismatic. Is that a fair yes. assessment? He has. There have been a couple of uh, a couple of tournaments I worked at the Masters where he has, as you know, he has his big RV out there next to Hooters and signs autographs. And I mean, he's he's you or me out there on the golf course. He just happens to be better and smokes and drinks a lot more than we do, or maybe he doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what you guys do, but much like anybody who watched. Uh, the the Netflix documentary with Joel Damon and and how much of a guy next door he is. That's what John Daly was. He just has a lot more problems than we have. But Daly is the guy next door that you want to take golfing and want to go out for a beer with. So I love that, um, Joel. I think his, that's a there's his glove up there somewhere. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and you have some stuff over on on to the left hand side too. Can we pan over there, or, or did I? There's some flags up there. Yeah, there we go. From all it. the different events. Yeah. This is the cave, the bear cave. Absolutely love it. And that's Pebble right there, number seven. Love it. Well, David, can't thank you enough for, for joining the show. We, we, if you Absolutely. don't mind, uh, we, we'd love to have you back later in the season. Uh, and I got to be honest, Joel Spencer, I think he's got the best team, at least the best <laughs> team to beat us three. I, I'm just saying on record, I know I'm on the other team here, kind of. But uh, I think David's going to take us down. And, and really, I'm rooting for it because, Spencer, you can't win again, Spencer. Can you? I'm not saying this because David's on the show with us. I kind of lean towards his lineup being the one that wins this week, too. I, I thought mine got too volatile at the very stretch there. So uh, David kind of got like the second end of the Rory thing, which might have been the first end of what it should have been. And then everything is pretty safe and steady. And I, I like the lineup. It's a good build. It's a good build. Hopefully right. you guys aren't jinxing me, so we'll see. Well, that's what we're trying to do, but it's still <laughs> it might it might hold regardless. If I Dave, win, I just want ten percent of all first round leader wins that Sia has for the end of time. So, well, all you got to do is tail me, which you did last week. It worked. It worked. <laughs> I can't believe we had to wait till Friday morning for the end of that. <laughs> and we had to watch Carson Young drain a forty foot putt to give us a three way split instead of a two way split. That was hard. That was actually kind of heartbreaking. I got to be honest. Ed, I'm I'm kidding with you. I'm really on your team. I promise. And just you know, we've got some we we got some scores to settle here. Joel, that's a wrap, right? That is a wrap. I don't think we forgot anything, did we, Sia? Oh, we did. We did. Uh, David, one more thing. Sports. <laughs>